Hello, and welcome once again to yet another Website Depot podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Greg Benevent, and we're lucky to once again have with us Noel Dombrowski. How are you doing today, Noel? I'm doing all right, Greg. How are you doing today? Uh, <laughs> exact same. Hanging in. That is that there was that, there was an onion column once. It's like hanging in is the best anyone can do. And I am definitely have reached that level. And, um, well, yeah, just get right to it. I mean, we were talking a minute ago and I was just fascinated about how, you know, it's as we talk so much on here about ways inspiration you can draw from things maybe outside of your industry outside of your work that you can bring into work and what you said was fascinating and i'd love to hear you elaborate on that uh well i mean it's been a it's a sad week but i think there there are bittersweet things that, that we can celebrate at the same time with the passing of eddie van halen on a personal note i've been crying for like two days and I, I love him so much so i was like i can't it felt wrong to talk about literally anything else on the podcast this week and i think that you know with anybody who with any great idol or successful person in any industry there's a lot you can learn so today i kind of have a, a three bullet points of the van halen school of of marketing <laughs> absolutely yes do you well before we even get into this do you listen to a lot of van halen greg or are you not me personally <laughs> uh it's the thing it, it's it's i i i they were like right before my time and I ended up as a person that ended up listening to a lot of the artists that kind of followed in their wake and were directly inspired by them. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen Stone Temple Pilots 10 times. I have over 300 live recordings. I, I'm visible in live performances of the band. But it's but Van Halen was one of those things. It's always like it was never something that I that I necessarily loved. But man, did I always respect it. As someone that knows nothing about music or how it's played, you watch, you watch that, and you watch it like, oh, oh, this man's a musician. This is not an act. This is not a costume. Okay, David Lee Roth, that's an act. But this guy is the real thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I was always amazed by, firstly, how this is. We're so far off the top of this podcast. How Eddie and Dave, how that that dynamic of this person that is clearly such a committed, gifted, genuinely blessed artist with this guy who seems like he won a contest in a raffle. And that just <laughs> amazed me, like like what that dynamic must have been. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, and, it, and in a way, it's even more, it's even greater respect because you're like, this guy's such a great artist. He's carrying this guy, literally carrying him to the top of the 80s. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a long answer to your question. <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean, I've certainly heard all the hits and I know all the songs, but I don't, I'm not like myself, I would not consider myself a great, great fan, but my respect for it is essentially limitless, you know. To jump off of that, I, I would love to talk about my favorite Van Halen story. And I don't know if you know this, but the story of the their writer and how the rules about no brown M&Ms. I've only heard this story a million times, but it's still worth telling. This is one of the great, it, it, it's like this, this is, you know, one of those tales of the 80s and 90s that will be passed down in generations. This is a great story and I'd love to hear it because you're a real fan. I've heard it corroded down, watered down by people like me that only have heard it from someone else. You as a genuine fan, I'd love to hear your definitive take of it. There's a backstory to this that I think is, is one of the number one things you can learn from Van Halen in terms of marketing. So for the sake of the argument, can you spit back a little, just a little of what you know, like the layperson knows about 
Uh, yeah, just that it was put in their rider that I believe they were to have, I forget if it was only brown M&Ms, it was one color of M&M that they were specifically supposed to have, and it was buried deep within the rider, with the idea being, if they walked in and saw that the M&Ms were there, they knew everything else was there. If they did not see the M&Ms, then whoever had put them up for that evening or that show had not read it and had not gotten it correctly and thus were to be condemned for it. So there's a lot, there's some layers to that that I, I think speak a lot to um, just the, the attention to detail. The biggest reason they included that in the rider was they were like the first, or at least the only in their time that they were touring to have a show. They were bringing like 350 par lights, par lamps, and they're going into oh these places God. that are old like old, like, you know, the garden, these places that were built in like the 50s and 60s or whatever. So they're bringing this stuff into these places. They don't know if they have the safe amount of power. A lot of these places don't have doors big enough to bring the lights in. A lot of these places, they're remodeled. And one of the most famous stories actually is when they trashed the green room. And the headline is Van Halen causes $450,000 worth of damage. What happened was they caused $200 worth of damage. And because the company didn't read the rider, they had damaged the floor of the new gymnasium that they had built in that stadium by the stage sinking in because they didn't read the rider. But I love hearing David Lee Roth talk about about it because he talks about the rider and he's like look you've, it's it, you've got each of these like amps need to be you know lined up this way and you know you need to distribute this much amount of power here and no brown m&ms and then like the next thing so if you go in and, and you you see that you know that you immediately know the he said that's a that's a line check right off the bat you see that and you're gonna go to your roadie and so the stipulation was if the m&ms rule was broken you would forfeit the show and have to pay in full and so that's what got everybody's attention and everybody ruminates on they're like, you know, oh, Van Halen, they're rock stars. They just want to be picky. But they knew they had the biggest production going around right now. They were and this is what it is. This comes down to, you know, one of the top things you can learn from Van Halen is attention to detail, awareness and safety. And I think there's a lot to be said. There's safety in every realm of every industry. And for them, you know, the, the other thing too is is uh, an awareness of what was going on at the time. Because even now we have, people don't listen to writers and you, you still see stuff, I mean, at least before COVID, you know, stage is falling down, you know, this rigging breaks, somebody gets crushed. So, you know, that that's my number one because that's also my favorite Van Halen story uh, is that in marketing, <laughs> You have to have, you gotta have your writer. And I, I think that, you know, it, it, whether it's in terms of, you know, I'm making this piece and these are all the places it needs to be distributed to and these are all the rules, like this is the playbook. But not only that, it's important to be checking in and be cognizant of the people that you're working with and make sure that you're all on the same page. Right. I mean, that's that how important that is now working in this, you know, difficult time where literally all the details have to be gotten correct and disinfection or whatever else. That's such a good point, Noel. Yeah, especially especially in the pandemic, I would hide little weird M&M stipulations everywhere just to make sure because people don't people will cut corners, you know. So and I, I think it's interesting because they it's this measure too of of and I don't even I I don't know quite how to relate this into a lesson but it is also a, a lesson in reputation mm. and how they're setting that precedent and all they got to do and it's a good thing and a bad thing you know on on the plus side is you you get that headline about hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage nobody's gonna make that same mistake but at the same time you're also you're you're gambling on your how people are gonna take it but I think. To kind of jump off of that, I don't know, like thinking about reputation, I think Van Halen can also teach us a lot about how to get started. 
and how to get people to pay attention to you. Okay. I mean, like every other struggling band in LA, there was a time where Van Halen was not, nobody knew who they were. The way they got booked, back in the day, you know, you, you gotta get into these big venues, you have to get yourself in front of the right people. And that's the same thing with branding. How do you get yourself in front of the right people? How do you sneak it in? And how do you get that spot, you know, when you're just like every other hair metal band on the strip, you know, no matter what your company is, you're always going to be up against. Right. You know? And I think the number one thing is is getting people's attention and, and, you know, but how do you get in that spot? So the way Van Halen would do it is they would do uh, cover sets. Promoters, you know, if you're not a big band that people know, the only way they're going to gamble on booking you is if you're going to play songs people will like even if you suck, you know? So they did that. That makes sense, yeah. And then what they would do, Eddie Van Halen and his style, but the jams and all that, they would sneak in their originals. But there wasn't, they wouldn't announce it. They wouldn't say, you know, all right, coming up is, you know, because they would never play at that club again, right. you know. There's something we wrote on the bus, yeah. <laughs> so what they would do is they would take something classic, smoke on right. the water or whatever, right. but it's about... Oh, no, that makes sense. The segue. Is, is what does it, you know, like, because the other thing, that's how you're going to get people to pay attention. You know, it's it's the flip side of it. If you do go up on stage, if you do send this email, that's like, hi, my name is Eddie Van Halen. And here is this song, you know, that, that nobody solicited or really asked for. That's kind of a lot of marketing. <laughs> the marketing version of we're here to rock. Exactly. Yeah. But any, you know, if you're a heavy hitter, you can do that. So I think the way we can apply that. Right. Until you get to that point, that makes so much sense. So I think, you know, it, 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 you can do it and it works, you know, from blogs to videos to emails, whatever. I think there's a sense of, depending on what your industry is, it's finding that cover song, finding that, you know, this pop culture topic that's, you know, you're talking about this week. Um, or, you know, something else that's relevant or telling a story. And I think actually a great example is this podcast in particular, thinking about it because it's yes. talking about digital marketing and Eddie Van Halen. And I think everybody right now, just we all want to keep talking about Van Halen. We miss him. So you get that and you get people roped in. And before they know it, you know, you've got their attention. So just like the segues from the covers, I think it's important to find an experiment with what gets people's attention no that makes so much sense and, and even just just to piggyback on on that based on what we were saying just a minute ago i mean just just about you know david lee roth and make and i made the couple comments about him being a clown and all that in the 80s but that that was absolutely what the situation called for by him being that kind of like fun loving sort of like goofy guy is what helped beyond just the musicianship of the band to help to separate them even further from all those hair metal acts and from keeping eddie from becoming ingwe malmstein or something like it's just you know that extra here's this fun guy with this like like it's because you could very much listen to van halen at like you know your backyard party in a way that you couldn't with like megadeth or Cinderella yeah. <laughs> or your queens rikers i mean that's not the best example but you know what i mean like there was that by dave being so fun and fun loving that managed to bring in a whole different other kind of listener that you know just great musicianship maybe doesn't necessarily do just on its own yeah i think there's a lot to be said for for david lee ross sticking to the bit because i believe reading i don't know if it was how close it was to their debut but rolling stone in the 80s said something like david lee roth he's the most obnoxious performer in human history and that in his accomplishment considering the the depth and span of the competition or something like that and that was really early on <laughs> 
you right, know, yeah, I was gonna say if that's 1980, that is wow. Like it, it predates the hot for teacher video by quite some time. Yeah, yeah. that. Uh, but it endeared people to them at the same time. You know, I think if you got a product you're confident in, <laughs> you don't. You know. And also it worked. I mean, not to just keep going on, but now I'm thinking about it. It works because the other guys in the band are not that. Like he, in a real way, Eddie played straight man to all of that, where it's like, here's this goofy guy that might be able to draw you in. And then there's this, you know, incredible musician that's going to keep you there. Like it's that, that, I mean, I, I haven't thought about this in the longest time. But yeah. What a, what a, what a great, you know, just, 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 just brand, talk about a brand. I mean, that's, that, that's perfect. That's multi layered and yet easily accessible. And you see that change when, when David Lee Roth. <laughs> regrettably leaves Van Halen and it becomes Van Hagar and Kat and I were actually just having this conversation that you know and I think this this does pertain to branding and marketing that David Lee Roth is more like the Paul McCartney like let's sing a fun little song and then Sammy Hagar is like I had this dream about an alien and it's a lot more esoteric and I think that speaks to oh yeah the kind of people are uh, this is controversial but I think more likely to, to throw on a David Lee Roth Van Halen record if they're gonna go party you know and, and Sammy Hagar is like the training montage so it, it goes to to talk about the voice of your brand because you know either way it, it's the van is named Van Halen you know exactly yeah so you've got this different mouthpiece and it, I think it can go to to what you're saying like you know how do you fight being esoteric you have this this guy who is very technically minded and uh, definitely want to be more experimental. And um, you think of that like like brands too, if you say like something like, all right, I do car insurance. How can I make that fascinating? How can I take like, cause you know, cause the, the, what you're doing, your craft is the crazy shredding that Eddie is doing. And as cool as that is, right. you know, there's always going to be, there's some chick in the audience who's like, you know, where's that tight pants, oh, David Lee Roth, you know? Yeah, the Golden <laughs> Girls is on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you're looking at your brand, that's another way to think about it. Is how are you? You know, you have these inner workings. You have this this technical aspect, and I think it's it's also just a testament to how you could have this fantastic talent. You have this excellent system, this technical knowledge, but if you don't have the, you know, and it depends on your brand. Maybe you need a Sammy Hagar who's who's you know more deep. But if your brand needs something to get people's attention, like David Lee Roth, love him or hate him, that's that's another lesson we can learn. <laughs> you know, and it's funny just you mentioned in the context of Sammy Hagar, a man that you know is is himself so adroit at marketing i mean didn't he make more money with that weird tequila than he did with the band like is it a, i mean here's a man who understands you know the principles of marketing so well beneath all of that like but yeah that you can you can never you can never know enough that might be a kind of sub lecture here to yeah, some right. point here it's just a good point though because the first couple years I've, i have read that you know they didn't really make a lot of money off of the actual records it came from the merch it came from playing live shows to so to to stretch the wire of trying to connect it to marketing it's much like you know if you put a video on youtube not all your views are going to come straight from youtube it's gonna you know you got to distribute yourself you have to distribute your your merch and kind of like we talked about the other week with you make something and then you pin it on pinterest etc you have all these venues for for revenue and you can't rely on on just that one and i think that's something too that like even nowadays people just think like all right i just got to make the music and then i'll, I'll be set and they they knew and right. sammy hagar knows right. that's not the case so <laughs> right that's, Cabo Labo. that's it 
<laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. You can make the music and then you can make some tequila that's made in some weird offshore kind of thing. And then you, you're presumably not playing safe labor. But yes, but it but the idea of ancillary marketing streams is is such a good point, though. I mean, that's and even just to speak of what you said, that's, you know, they weren't able to sell that merch until they were playing those bigger shows until they'd come up a bit. But then they made that leap to doing that, whereas you know, you don't have your business doesn't have to wait until you're playing whatever your industry's equivalent of the forum is to do that. You can start that uh, today. You can start that much, much sooner. Exactly. Yeah. And the more you know your brand and the more you, you know your stuff, the more you can kind of elevate it. Um, yeah, I don't know. And that's like, it kind of makes me think of too, my, my third thing, which is innovation with Van Halen, I think that's like the number one. Um, Certainly. And I think that there's so much of that, that that people can learn from for for their own brands and for their own marketing. I think, you know, an example is, uh, I don't know, I feel like I have to pull up a video to properly explain this, but I wanted to talk about Eddie Van Halen's tapping. Um, <laughs> so I won't, I won't yeah, force I you to sit through the whole 10 minutes because I'm not, you know, We've only got so much time, but we'll throw a couple of seconds here for you and for everyone else to kind of see, um, you know, people aren't necessarily familiar with this. So uh, Eddie Van Halen is, is super known for allegedly inventing tapping on the guitar. Um, and this is something that's been around. It's not, so, I mean, he, he did, uh, we'll circle back to it, but just to, to get a little jam on here, I just want to show you some of this. And then just watch his fingers and what he does when he gets up on the neck. So that. Anyway, I could watch forever, but I digress. So <laughs> everybody looks at this. Everybody's like Eddie Van Halen invented, uh, you know, tapping, shredding. And like, that's cool. That's a nice thought. Um, but if you've taught, you know, you look at this stuff and, and Eddie Van Halen's like, yeah, well, I saw I saw Jimmy Page doing something similar. What he's doing is he's, you know, he's tapping the um, uh, the bridge of the, the neck of the guitar with his fingers instead of uh, picking it. And he's like tapping and like pulling it off almost. So he saw people like Jimmy Page do it. He saw people do it in blues. But the, the version that we know of it now that all these shredders tend to do, Phil X, Ingway, and all them, uh, is this particular style. And rumor has it that when uh, Van Halen was not signed, and I've seen some videos, I don't know if this is truly the case, but the rumor is that Van Halen, when he would tap during particularly this solo, uh, he would turn away from the audience so that competitors wouldn't rip off his technique before they were signed. Ah. So between that and then I just wanna, for fun, I just wanna toss in really quick this shot from the ah. 1991 with the drill. <laughs> 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 and 
and the amount of and Van Hagar. But there's so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here, but to try to summarize it, there's like Certainly. it goes back to that awareness we kind of talked about, but I think it's also a testament to to, you know, knowing what's come before you, knowing how you can improve on it, and then getting yourself to a place where you have enough knowledge where you can take those risks like how do I use a drill on my guitar? Because that's not, you know, you can't just do that. <laughs> right. That's not in, in the fifth lesson. We're not covering that. <laughs> that's next week. But, uh, no, but that's, that's the thing. And so I, I think that's, that's what's so incredible is this thing that he's so credited for is by no means, you know, something he came up with on a Wednesday. But some, he, he, you're taking what you know and you're improving upon it. And there's room for everyone to do that. And that's how you, you get, you know, the replica guitar is done after you or whatever your brand is. Take what you're doing and how do you, what's come, come before me and how can I spin it? And do that with the marketing as well. What, what, how have other people marketed this and how can I spin it? How can I get wild with it? Because that's how you get people's attention, you know? Right. And it's, and really, I just, you know, piggyback on that is the, just to have, in your business, your industry, whatever it is, a, a sense of exploration, that that willingness to try something new. I mean, is it does Eddie Van Halen become world famous rock star without doing that? Probably. But it's there's a reason that that that, you know, on this video today that you showed that specific clip. I mean, because he was willing to take the, the great gifts that he had and continue to push them forward in new, previously unrealized ways. And I think there's something that, you know, repetition is so much of that. I feel like that's something too that I, I, I love to come back to constantly when we're talking about doing your own videos. Um, but it's just like, just like, you know, sitting down and trying to cut an iMovie or um, like, you know, it's something that, that I've noticed between the Grateful Dead and, and especially Eddie Van Halen is that these are people who, you know, they love what they're doing so much. They're not, you know, at the end of the day, they're not sitting on their ass uh, watching The Simpsons. And they go, and then Grateful Dead too. They would go, they'd be done with the show. And what do they do? They go home and, and they do scales. And Jerry Garcia, one of the, you know, one of the greatest guitarists of all time, what he would do for fun. And you see people like Eddie Van Halen, you see him with that like, smiling. And his smile is famous because it's just like, that's yes. somebody who loves what they do and they love it so much, they do it constantly. And that's how you can, you know, pack up enough of that data and enough of that knowledge to think if I want to use a drill on my guitar now that I've done X, Y, and Z, here are the things I need to think about to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's the and biggest thing. That, 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 that. Oh yeah, that, there is no real substitute for passion. I mean, it's, but I, the only thing I'd say to that, to piggyback on it, is if you're listening to this at home or watching this podcast and you're thinking like, man, I, I, I'm I, not spending, you know, 23 hours a day in my hardware store. That's OK, too. Yeah. Like you could do your business, you know, you know, you can love it and, and, and without and, and make it your livelihood without being like, OK, we're going to, you know, sweep every 20 minutes. It's a sense of exploration and love and passion is great, but it's it's OK to go home at night, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I know you have to rest. You have to rest. But I, I, I'd say that, like, find that uh, whenever you find your, if you do find yourself getting bored, if you are far away from that innovation, you have to go explore those things. I, I can't imagine, like, I'm still stuck on the drill with the guitar. I'm going to be riding that one for a few days. But it, the, it was amazing. I was it made me forget Arsenio's coat. And I didn't think that was going to happen. When you I, yeah, I don't know about that. That was still right up here. But the do, you know, if you, it's like, it's just like when you're doing the tapping on the guitar, you're building your calluses. 
you're, every day you do something for yourself. It's kind of like, you know, doing a job, taking that conscious picture of, I'm going to compose this, take a good picture before I leave. You're building those calluses as you work, you know? And so, and, then, and so it doesn't have to be sweeping the hardware store. It can be, I have 20 minutes while I drink my coffee. I'm going to read about the, a better way to do what I'm doing with this thing. You know, what's a better way I can right. market this or, or, you know, what's, what's, What's the newest thing? Like, like what we do, we, we SEO journal is a great example. Um, when we go to, to kind of see what's, what's going on, you know, to have those oh, things you can go to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and that's what leads to being able to, to build those connections to, to take the leap to do the thing nobody's thought of yet. That is such a good point. Uh, oh, that, that, that's good. That's, that's really insightful, Noel. I think that's the best I got. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's, we're not going to top that. I was waiting for you to be like, thank you, good night, and then just like slide off the stage. That was... Like tip your waitresses? Uh, that's about it, so... <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, well, that was, that was really great. That was the best one of these yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that, you know, it, it had to come from tragedy, but I think that maybe that's the kind of lasting thought is that, you know, there, there's, there's something that can be taken from anything. You know that um, I I I could talk to you about this for several hours, but you know this thing's going on as it is. I could have talked. I could talk to you about this all day, but um, but yeah, but this is this 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 was just tremendous, Noel. Thank you, thank you for coming on. It's always good to have you, but this this was really something today. And, um, Thanks for having me on. All Greg. right. Well, on behalf of what? There we go. I, I, I'm on delay. My internet's bad, so now I'm talking over her. But anyway, <laughs> on behalf of Website Depot, my name is Greg Benevent. Thank you. Take it easy and have a good night. Let me do my elephant for you, okay? Ah, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Here's my horse. Oh, it's bigger. I thought you was Dale! <laughs>